And she's like, there's no sense in going without. Your pussy will shrink. That's how that works. Well, I mean... (laughs) The United States Supreme Court has described it as dirt for dirt's sake. We describe it as dirt for money's sake. Homosexuals, lesbians, sadists, masochists, and other sex deviants. This moral decay weakens our resistance to the onslaught of the communist masters of deceit. I'm Katie. And I'm Claire. And this is You Like That? The podcast where I make Katie watch Golden Age pornography and talk about it. Let me rearrange all my beverages. I have many Yeah, get settled. How, how many beverages do you have? Three. I have three at any given time. I have a water. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I have two waters. I need a water with lemon, and then sometimes mm-hmm. I have a sparkling water. I usually have mm-hmm. some kind of stimulant on hand, so like a coffee or a Red Bull. Mm-hmm. And then right now I'm having a lager as well. So she's got three beverages, but at any given time, this is like the median number of beverages that I need to have to be comfortable in my space. I feel like that's just hot girl shit. Thank right? you. Wow, like hot girl. What a fucking high compliment. I, that. I thought it was just mental illness is what I thought. <laughs> no, it's cause you're it's, it's, it correlates directly to how hot you are. Um, I love that. So I actually, I wanted to delay covering this movie longer because, you know, it's incest, but um, I wanted, I thought like, oh, we'll do it for like our 25th episode. But uh, Milf Manor, frankly, forced my hand. The the hot moms kind of are out here and we, out here. we do, we do need to talk about, <laughs> we do need to talk about the fact that this is being normalized in, <laughs> in, in what I, and what I, yes, and what I would like to call pleasant society, right? right. Air quotes, like pleasant society, polite, normal, polite society, polite society uh, like the stuff that we talk about all the time is like, it's out here. It's in the streets now. Yeah. So the culture is sick. And yeah. I actually think, and I actually think that MILF Manor is more problematic than taboo. Or any of like the stepmom porn. And I know that sounds spicy, but here's the thing. In porn, I know those people are actors, right? I know that Kay Parker is not fucking her son. I know that Mike Ranger is not fucking his mom. I know when I want when I see like stepmom porn on Pornhub or whatever, I know those two people are not related. Just like when I watch like a Fulci movie, you know, I know that someone's eye is not really getting stabbed out in the most horrific way possible. I don't think we we haven't watched Fulci together, but Fulci is an Italian horror director known for fucking with eyeballs. Okay. Okay. Like that's his well, thing. That's, but that's disturbing. But so yeah, but I'm see I'm getting I'm getting I'm I'm seeing what you're driving at here. Yeah, like no one in incest porn is actually fucking their son, but someone on MILF Manor might be. The thing with MILF Manor, and you gotta stick with me here because I'm only like two or three episodes in like yeah I just feel like there is a very Freudian conflict happening here between these very very hot moms and their very conventionally attractive sons like I don't personally find them attractive but I can understand that by society's 
by society standards, these are conventionally attractive people. Yeah, I don't know the overlap between MILF Manor and this podcast. So could you could you com- like briefly describe the premise of MILF Manor? So MILF Manor is a show about like single hot moms who are like kind of like you know, it's like I don't like the fact that like they frame them as like being kind of like older, like because they're mm-hmm. not really like the older I get, and I actually just had a conversation about this with like someone who is like 45, and yeah. she was like, I'm not old, and I am at this point 33, and I feel 400 years old. So it's like, what is old, really? Like, yeah. But like, it's like these older women who are just fine as fuck, a uh, lot, a lot of injections, a lot of filler, like we're out here, like these women are definitely doing their five days a week of Pilates or whatever it mm-hmm. is to like, Keep but they're tight. like, they're snatched, they're snatched. Yeah. And then they have these hot sons who are trying to date each other's moms. It's like, yeah. The Netflix premise of like, oops, I gotcha is like kind of tired to me, but that's what the the premise of the show is. It's like, oh, you're going to go on this dating show and like find someone that's like really hot and like meet the love of your life. But it's like, surprise, like our Uh contestants are your mothers, you know? And it's like, ha ha, we gotcha. And they start, I mean, I don't want to spoil this wonderful piece of discovery plus tv but you know they uh, there's some people lose their minds a little bit yeah totally like there's there's some ego death going on yeah for sure but i also think that like stepping away from milf manor for a second like the the incest stuff is something we've been talking about on this podcast yeah for many episodes yeah it's like the why is the algorithm so hot for like fucking your stepmom or like fucking your stepsister? It's like mm-hmm. never like direct, like true capital I. Well, cause you can't anymore. Like I think like it's not allowed to, to portray well, them as actual mother and son anymore. Like you, you okay. literally could not make this movie today. Well, that's, that's probably for the best, but I guess. <laughs> shit they're actors and i think i mean i'm kind of getting ahead of myself but like well let's let's talk about the theme of incest before we get into all that like we were talking about it in in our little chat with our producer eleanor and she said you know her ex-boyfriend says it's the thing with like stepsister or whatever it's just about having easy access to a hot lady who's like literally in your house so we have that we also have freud like every you know it's just freudian and you know like moms are nurturing they give you life Mm -hmm. you are safe with them um and and also moms are hot like even the two of us we call women we are attracted to mommy all the time i mean we both have that's true incredible mommy issues like yes yes mommy issues that would just (laughs) that would kill (laughs) the average person yeah parental emotional drama yeah but yeah i mean that's like a thing like particularly in the queer community is to like call someone that you find very attractive like mommy like phoebe bridgers to me is mommy that's mother well k parker is mother k phoebe is mommy is mother yeah exactly there's mommies there's mothers i'm more of i'm more of a mother bitch like i (laughs) 
I'm attracted. <laughs> Wait, what's a mother bitch? So they made up just now. <laughs> it just came out of my mouth. It, uh, uh, but you know, I'm attracted to. I'm rarely attracted to people that are younger at, than me, ever. And yeah, especially in women, I am attracted to older women, and particularly those who have like a mommy vibe. Who so like mm-hmm. I, I love Kay Parker. I'm obsessed with Kay Parker rest in peace before uh, oh did you watch any good porn recently that was not this no but i'll tell you something that happened to me today Uh that felt like okay hear me out so i went i took sundays are my day that i go and i take my dog to brunch uh Uh I take her out to a nice breakfast today. I went to this pizza spot in Portland and I sat outside and I read my book for a couple of hours. And that's what I do on Sunday. And uh, I went to a bar next door. I had uh one ace and single beer and Uh and beer and beer and realized about two hours after the fact that I had had pizza in my fucking teeth and hear me up this feels like a form of emotional edging to me i don't understand it but like do you not agree like why don't people just say something like this feels like something it feels like emotional edging in a way that i can't really put my finger on (laughs) like like humiliation kink related yes yes like what what is that what why not just say because i'm a fucking virgo like i'll just tell you like i'll just be like baby you have something in your teeth i don't care if you're a passerby you're you know uh you know someone i I just i don't care like i will just tell you honey you have something in your teeth (laughs) Right. But like, uh, I, yeah, I, think I was in, I was interacting with literally, I can't stress this enough because my dog is beautiful. And so like, right. I have a lot of people coming up to me all the time and they're like, Oh my God, your dog is so beautiful. She's also like, sure do from South Korea. So they're like, what is, what is this breed? And so like, I was having conversations, full ass conversations with a bunch oh, of no. strangers. And when I say like, Baby, it was in there. Like, what is that? <laughs> I think because it's, well, it's your mouth. I, I think it's just, it's kind of intimate. Like, grooming is intimate, right? And it feels grooming adjacent. Mm-hmm. Like, when you, like, one of the most intimate things you can do is, like, fix someone's hair, you know? Yes. Or, like, yes. Um, this isn't, like, sexual intimacy. And you should like, always, by the way, you should always ask to touch someone's hair. That's just, like, true. Yes. No matter what's going on. Just like you should always ask someone to touch them in general. But in general, you should always But it ask. does feel it does feel intimate in some right. way. Well, like my sisters, and again, this isn't sexual intimacy, this is just like sisterly intimacy. They both wear glasses and their glasses slide down on their nose. And like I I have to push their glasses back up on them. They hate it. They hate it when I do it. And it's a and I, I do it one That seems like a very Leo move though. Like yeah, it's like it almost like domineering kind uh, of. Can you imagine <laughs> these two little these two little cancers having to deal with an older Leo double Leo with can't I'm cancer rising. It's just a mess. The poor the poor twins, Sydney and Meredith. 
they put up with a lot with me. But anyway, we've gotten way off track. We are talking about incest and cool. I start telling a story about my sisters. Very good. Very yes. good. Um, yes. But so, no, you haven't, you haven't watched any good porn recently, but no one told you there was stuff in your teeth. Yeah, basically. No, <laughs> I haven't watched anything really good recently. Nothing of note, I would say. I haven't been watching any porn by myself, but um, Wyatt and I did watch uh, On the Prowl 2, which you would not like at all. It's um, What is that? <sighs> it's late, later, Jamie Gillis. It's, um, have you seen Boogie Nights that where like they're in the limo? Of course I've over. seen Boogie Nights. Yes, you know I you know, love Boogie Nights. Like right, that so was you, like part of the premise of when you approached me with this vlog, I was like, Boogie Nights. And you were like, baby, that's not what we're going to well, be no. doing here. Well, kind of, because here's some background on Boogie Nights is like that scene where Roller Girl and uh, Burt Reynolds are in the limo and they go and they pick up some random guy for her to fuck. Right. That That is based on On the Prowl. That's what Gillis was okay. doing is he would like – get a porn actress and they would go um, either pick someone up and pick them up in a limo and fuck them there. And on the prowl too, he goes to like porn stores and they pick okay. just like random guys up there and then take them back to a hotel room. Anyway. So it's like, it's early gonzo. Um, and it was very influential. Gonzo. And- yes. Yeah. I think that like the thing that you, that you and I think our listeners more broadly need to understand is that like my information retention capabilities are so limited. I watched Taboo with Eleanor, our producer. Like we weren't watching it together, but we were watching it at the same time. Right, yeah. And uh, that was two weeks ago. Okay, Maybe I have two pages of notes that I'm showing Claire right now. I have handwritten notes. No, they're just scribble. They're just scribble. Oh, well, compared they're to Mary. I have, um, but I don't, I, I, you're going to have to like walk me through it because like, well, guess what, Sugar Plum? I got 10 pages of notes. Oh no. Maybe a part two. We might have to do this in two parts. Um, so how many times you watched this movie once? Mm-hmm. I yeah, watched that's it. About, that's about how much capacity I have to watch these films that you assign yeah. for my home. Uh, like I, watched... I do one time and sometimes I have to fast forward too, which we've talked about. Yeah. Um, I watched it five times. Oh God. I, I lost, I felt like I was losing my mind. I feel like I went on a vision quest and Kay Parker was my guide, but because like we bought those DVD, as our patrons know, they saw the unboxing. We did the, we bought these vinegar syndrome Blu-rays and so there's four commentaries, and I was like, I have to watch all four. Um, and because I was looking for answers, I had to know why. Why make this film? Why make this was this was your Narnia, if you will. Yeah. Like yeah. you Except were you much, were on hornier, for the opposite much of hornier. Christian. Yeah, and not right. Christian. No Christian right. themes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I was like looking. Apparently, this is um, Francis Ford Coppola's favorite porn, according to the director. So, really, that's yeah. interesting to me. I yeah. I wonder why. Well, right. I don't want to know why. Actually, as a matter of but, fact, I don't want to know why. I don't care. Well, 
You like what you like. Go for it. Yeah. Anyway. You do. All right. You like what you like. Um, so it was written by a woman named Helene Terry and directed by her husband, Curdy Stevens. And Helene Terry grew up in the movie business. Her dad worked at a gas station near the MGM uh, lot and he, he like met, met a lot of people in the business. He actually got Dustin Hoffman into the business. Um, and her father really wanted her to be an actor, like sent her to acting school. She didn't really like it, but she was in a movie with W.C. Fields. Okay. Um, she did not like him. She said she was supposed to like run up and like tug on him and he'd like turn around and scare her. And she said he turned and his nose was like as red as a beet and that he was a heavy duty Ooh. alcoholic. No, and he don't liked, like. And he hated kids. Uh, and she was also well, a I national- hate kids, so I can relate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't hate them. I just feel better when they're not around. Yes, exactly. That's the you thing know? is I just don't want them around me. That's all. They yeah. can exist, just not around me. Right. And she was also in a, a National Velvet with Elizabeth Taylor. And she was like, oh, she was so nice. But her mother was such a bitch. Um, she was in a movie with Frank us. Sinatra. She said Frank Sinatra was a real bastard. But she liked Gene Kelly. Um, so that's kind of her background. Her husband, Curdy, was raised in an orphanage. He was born in Japan. His mother was German. His father was Russian. And he said, like, the orphanage was kind of chill. They didn't, like, beat you or treat you badly or anything. But, um... Anyway, they were both, like, true believers, especially Curdy, like, always getting arrested for porn-related offenses, even with, like, early loop machines that just showed, like, girly stuff, so, like, women in bikinis. Um, And they, like, you know, they thought that everyone should be able to make, buy, and view pornography, and that was, like, a right. And they thought a lot of the porn that was being made in New York in the early days was gross, which, I mean, that kind of adds up, because if you hear about someone like Jamie Gillis talk about it, like... His first scene was fucking a woman on a dirty mattress in a dirty basement. So, like, they probably were right. Like, a lot of these early New York loops and stuff, like, the the, the scenes were kind of dirty. The people were kind of dirty. Like, it just, like, physically, like, there was dirt around. Um, and so they wanted to make better porn. And their process was kind of like, Helene would have an idea, and she would pitch it to him. And he'd be like, that's great. Go watch it. And she'd spend, like, or not go watch it, go write it. And she'd spend, like, two or three months writing a script and then bring it to him. And then a lot of time he'd be like, no, I don't like it anymore. Okay. Jail for this man. Yeah. <laughs> Gulag. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> As a writer, but as a writer, like two or three months on a script, I'll be like, mm, no thanks. But he did like the script for Taboo, and she wrote four Taboos. Um, okay. She's kind of iconic, and I was listening to her commentary, and she's very much the queen of the no answer. Like, she said four was her favorite, and the, the guy was like, oh, why? And she's just like, I just liked it, just seemed to have more going on. And, uh, Every single word I wrote, and they said it exactly like that. So she liked to see her writing adhered to. Okay. Um, but anyway, so I'm like trying to find, I'm watching all these documentaries, searching for meaning. Why this story? And I'm watching this commentary, and she's just the queen of it's not that deep. Because the interviewer is like... <laughs> Taboo is so successful. And she says, uh, you know, because they were good. They were intriguing. They were just good. 
There was a rhyme and reason for everything. We made real movies. No follow-up what is questions. Her ast- what is her astrological sign? Because that's it's giving... I do not it's, know. It's giving Capricorn for me. It is giving Capricorn. I don't know. I mean, we could we could look it up real quick. What's Helene? Helene. Carrie. Um, shit, it doesn't say. Well, I will. Ah, well, nevertheless. Nevertheless. <laughs> All right. Um, well, let's let's keep going. Yeah, because I, I got I got more background to cover. So I w- I wasn't really happy with that because she just kept saying like there has to be a reason, there has to be motivation. It's like why is the motivation I want to fuck my son? But luckily, so there was another commentary with the director Curdy and with her. By then they're divorced, so it was kind of funny. They were like, "Oh, it's nice to see you again." But it is revealed they got the idea from a made-for-TV movie called Flesh and Blood, which is about a boxer who gets released from prison and is training for a fight. But part of his, like, training is to have to, like, battle these demons around uh, the fact that he fucked his mom. And they said, you know, there's one scene where they both go into a bedroom and, like, the door closes. And Helene said she saw that part and she's like, well, we know it happens, but uh, what if we showed it? Well, here we are. <laughs> and, you know, and then she wrote a very successful series. One of the most successful, like, Tepi was wildly financially successful. Um, and But it was based on that made-for-TV movie. So we have those That's two characters. Wild. And then we have Kay Parker, who sadly passed away last October. Incredible woman. I have not R. found... R.I.P. to our queen, again. Like, every time we talk about Kay Parker, we're like... That is, she is our favorite. Let's just be honest. Yeah, she's she's really up there for me. I mean, I, I could watch her in anything. Uh, but no one, I've read, as you know, like I've read and listened to a lot of stuff about Golden Age porn. And like, no one ever has anything bad to say about her. Like even Seika in her book was like, yeah, she was just like, she could calm anybody down. Like she could chill everybody out. She was very maternal. And it's like, yeah, that's mother. Yeah, that's mother. Truly, truly, she in never every sense of the word, right? Well, except for the literal one. We are her children. No, I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I wish that's, no, that's enough out of me. <laughs> um, no, no, we're just getting warmed up. Uh, she had a very conservative brain upbringing in in jolly old England. Um, she said she was raised with a lot of sexual shame, which she referred to as a psychological boo-boo. She moved to Germany when she was 18 and then moved to the States when she was 21. She was working in imports, which is so funny to me because that always sounds like a ma- like a job someone says when they like don't have a real job. But no, she was working in imports um, and she met John Leslie and he introduced her to the business. She was dating the drummer from Jefferson Airplane at the time. Oh, oh, wow. And- Good for her. What if- yeah. And her first role was not a sex. She didn't have any sex. She didn't, it was in V, the hot one, which I haven't seen. And then her first sex role was in Anthony Spinelli's Sex World, which I have seen, which you have not seen, but she's very good in it. Um, and, you know, she's also in Dracula Sucks, which we covered. And then she has this movie. She's actually uh, 36 when they filmed it. So that's my age. Hot. Which is, which is wild to me. And originally, she didn't want to do it. Uh, Curdy had offered the role to Jesse St. James, and she declined because she was just like, no, that's too spicy for me. 
And then they approached Kay and she declined at first because she had a friend who'd been a victim of incest and she didn't want to like eroticize something that had hurt her friend. I really, really respect that. That's really interesting. Like the, Mm -hmm. the, you know, the cognitive dissonance, if you will, between being like, this is a fake acted scenario. And like, I want to protect my friend who is a victim of very real, right. Uh, you know, sexual trauma. That's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. So she she was thoughtful about it. She thought about it for a while and then ultimately was like, well, if I don't do it, they're going to cast somebody else. And she ultimately thought that she would do a better job bringing some hmm. class and some nuance to it. Um, but even in her I do want to yeah. I do want to pause for a second. Mm-hmm. The boo-boo thing is very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh is this how we can just generally refer to our collective uh, religious trauma here on out? Like, can we just like do that? Can we just adopt that term? That's beautiful. Like psychological boo boo. Yeah. Psychological boo boo. Like yes. Yeah. Like my Catholic upbringing. Psychological boo boo. Absolutely. Um, Ab- yours in uh, other you know other things. <laughs> psychological boo boo. Right. I love that. It, yeah, I think. Thank you, Kay Parker. And uh, in her commentary, it's funny because she does, years later, she's like, I still can't believe a woman wrote this. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you know, she was like, I, but she thought she could do a, a kind and like thoughtful portrayal of Barbara. Mm-hmm. After she quit the industry, she actually went on to become like a mystical spiritual mentor. Oh, yeah, so that was like her that was like her true calling, she felt. And one interesting thing is that she said she was doing have you ever heard of uh, muscle testing? Beyond what I do every day to my body? No. Yeah. It's like where you you push on different parts of the body and you like push on someone's arm and when if their arm goes down, that means you found like a weak point. No. That's anyway, so insane. Oh, I've had a lot is of that muscle a re- testing. Is that a real thing? Yeah. I mean, it's a real thing that people do. I No, like, not- does it have any actual, like, physiological application, like, in terms of, like, being a real, like... I do not think it is scientifically sound. Okay. okay. Like, I do, I do not right. think there's scientific evidence to suggest. But, like, uh, my mother thinks it works. Okay. So Well, you know, I'll try anything because I'm pretty right. fucking low. So, you I know mean- what? If... <laughs> Will it fix me? <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't feel comfortable saying it would fix you. But she said she had some <laughs> muscle testing. <laughs> I don't know what's gonna fix you. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Okay. Let's uh, keep going. But yeah, she had some muscle testing about this movie, and she said that it confirmed that something mystical happened on the set of Taboo. Okay. Um, That's, she, that sounds bad, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a good thing. I, I think she thought it was just a very sexually empowering movie. I mean, she she said her work in porn helped her understand her sexuality, helped her heal from her childhood, Helped her realize that regret is a useless emotion. And she said 
she had to strip down naked to understand who she was as a soul. Okay. Well, that I, that I understand. Yeah. She was also super into movie stars. Like she used to collect pictures of movie stars. She was really into movies and film. So like, um, but anyway, once she kind of had that sort of cleansing experience through porn and she like really understood herself, she knew that she was, she knew her mission in life and she believed everyone had a mission in life. She knew that her mission in life was to be a healer. Mm. oh this is see this is why I love Kay like it's yeah it's like you can kind of read that through her roles like she's so fucking funny she's so earnest about it she's so in the moment in every single role that we've talked about that she's played like she's just there like she's present it's not just a fucking thing she's just present yes bodies the role and she brings like a lot of humanity and a lot of sympathy and like yes and this this once again gets back to like the foundational core ethos of this podcast which is talking about this sort of overlap between pornography and real filmmaking and i think that kate parker sort of really really embodies that ethos right yeah she does and she also just embodies like being the ultimate milf even though oh my god so yes yeah she never had any children um but so that's that's the background i have on Kay parker if you want to know more about her life you should listen to her realtor report interview it is very intriguing she's a very interesting woman um now we need to do the come count and before two disclaimers about this one the first one, there's so much fucking cum in this movie. These women are doused in cum. Like, mm. it is a lot. And, like, I, I, I'm going to give you a number of cum shots. And it's not going, it's a lot, but it's not going, it's it's not enough. It doesn't really capture the volume of cum. Do you agree? <laughs> like, like there's a lot, right? You're, Katie has her head in her hand. Um, I want to go to sleep. I want to go yeah. to, I want to go home now. I'm just, well, you're, I'm at. I'm at home. You're um, home, but yeah, the thing is, like, <laughs> this is okay. Truthfully, here's the thing: I I have to tattle on myself a little bit. It is sometimes yeah. very difficult for me to sit through these films because they're very physically uncomfortable for me to watch because I don't enjoy like normally watching like a like a heterosexual dynamic. <laughs> I know. And so it's like there's a lot of there's a lot of cum. There's a yeah, lot of there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of semen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's which it's you're not just, into. I'm not. So it's yeah. it was, you know, we kind of had to we were moving her. We were moving her along. And the thing about semen is even if you like don't hate it, even if you're into it. I mean, there's some people who are very very into it and good for them. But like for me, I'm only into it for this for the a fraction of a second, you know, mm. it's only mm-hmm. hot for a moment. And then I want it off of me. Yeah. Get it you off. Know? off of yeah. me immediately. Go get, a, go get a fucking washcloth, like, or clean, get it off. And also I think it should be the man's responsibility to clean it up. Like, I'm just going to lay here immobile until you take care of it. But I digress. My second disclaimer is that I did not count every sex act in the orgy scene. 
because much like a real orgy, it was hard to keep track of everything that was going on. Okay. So, but I did count every cum shot I saw in the orgy scene because those were okay. easy to clock. Like, but when you're looking at an orgy, there's like a blowjob in the background, a three-way over here. That's all just orgy. We're just counting it as an orgy. And I hope right. that you're okay with that. Yeah. And like when we, when we spoke with our last guest, we were talking about like how it's really difficult to tell when like a woman climaxes, which yeah. is like my, how are you going to count that? Right. Yeah. Like and- it, I am, it's like the TikTok sound in my head. I am an actor. Like that is what I hear. (laughs) Women are performing sex on video. Like that's literally what I hear in my head. Um, As an intrusive intrusive thought. Yes. Uh, But anyway, go ahead, Claire. All right, here we go. In Taboo, we have 15 cum shots, eight instances of pussy eating, eight instances of penetrative sex, seven blowjobs, five instances of fingering, five female orgasms, four instances of female masturbation, four instances of reinsertion post-nut, two instances two instances of sucking post-nut, two three-ways, two instances of titty-fucking, two instances of face-sitting, one instance of ass play, one hand job, one facial, one oddly romantic day the day after sun-fucking, one orgy, one daisy chain, one instance of 69, one instance of finger sucking, one instance of toe sucking, two instances of incest. You know what I'll say about this is that the cum count gets more and more specific every time that we do it. Yeah. (laughs) You know what? I appreciate that. I just have to say, I appreciate your dedication to... this specific element of this podcast that we do. I really, I truly do appreciate your dedication to making it more innovative every time that we do it. Thank you. And this morning, um, I take it very <laughs> thank seriously. You. This morning, I couldn't find No, I mean that. Thank you. Because I put a lot of work into it. And this morning, I couldn't find my notebook that had the cum count in it. And I almost had a full breakdown, but I found it. So it's fine. All right. Before we launch into it, let's establish the cast. We have Kay Parker as Barbara, Mike Ranger as her son, Paul, Juliet Anderson as her terrible best friend, Gina. Uh, Julian Anderson is the best friend, Gina. Juliet Anderson. Yeah. Also known as, also known as Aunt Peg, which is her most famous role, but it was also like her nickname. Um, Julian Anderson. Correct. Uh, Am I saying Julian or Juliet? No, no, not- you were saying, and no, it's Scully from the X Files is in this film, correct? <sighs> no, Katie. Okay, I'm gonna. Stop. I see what you're trying I- to do. <laughs> Go ahead, proceed. Please don't. Can you please take this seriously? <laughs> <laughs> proceed. Can you get fucking around? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dorothy LeMay is Mike's girlfriend, Sherry. And then Milton Ingley, a.k.a. Michael Morrison, a.k.a. Uncle Milty, as Jerry Morgan, her boss slash kind of boyfriend, I guess. So those are the main players. So we have the first scene. Barbara and her husband are fucking on a big, beautiful bed with a gaudy gold headboard. And it's worth flagging. Or noting that this is this is the ha- this is the house that belongs to the writer and director of this movie. 
And really? So yeah. this is like, they were like, yes, invite the cameras into our private home. We are going to, because our bed is so perfect, we are going to fuck on this bed. I mean, it is a really porny house. Apparently it was next to the Jackson 5, com- or the Jackson 5, the Jackson family compound. Um, but you've got a gold headboard. You've got mirrored furniture. It's actually all to my very tacky taste. <laughs> like- right. You are, you are a maximalist in every sense of the word. So here's the thing about Claire's uh, interior delights, if you will, is Claire uh-huh. likes shit. So much stuff. I do like um, stuff. I like, I just told you recently that your walls and just the experience of being in your home is like a mental vacation for me because I could not live that way. (laughs) No, your apartment is the opposite. It is like literally the polar opposite. My, I like clean lines. I like, like, it's not liminal space. Like it's not sad and like, no, it's very bright and airy. And yes, minimal. it's bright and airy and minimal. Yes, it's like yeah. I go for like I go for more like the Scandinavian vibe of just yes. like less is more, and right. you are more like is. more is more. I got I got a lot of taxidermy, but anyway, <laughs> you should see the wallpaper I just point up. Um, but so anyway, K Parker. Or sorry, Barbara and her husband are fucking on this bed and he's like, you know, telling her to do stuff like suck it hard, baby, lick my balls. They're fighting over the light like he wants it on. She wants it off. Um, it's not enough just to have his cock sucked. He has to like see her do it and she doesn't want to do it with the light on. And, you know, they they fuck. He finishes. She's not thrilled. She puts on this beautiful teal silk robe that matches her eyes and he gets up to go. And she's like, where are you going? It's two in the morning. And he says, I'm leaving because every time we do it, it feels like you're doing me a favor. And it turns out that he's leaving her for his secretary. That's terrific. I mean, just because I don't like to do it with the light on. Is that any reason for you to leave? Yeah. Where are you going? It's your secretary. It's Jean, isn't it? Yep. Will you, will you just go and tell your son? No, no, wait. No, I'll tell him. I'll tell him the shitheel of a father is leaving us for some teeny bopper. I love that, so that term. Teeny bopper? Yeah. What yeah. what a what a date and what a moment in time that term yeah, is. Not, I remember teeny bopper being in our generation. Like that's just not around anymore. Yeah, you don't hear it anymore. There are no Gen Z teeny boppers, I guess. <laughs> um, so the next morning, she's in her son. Again, the kitchen, it's very groovy. There's orange chevron wallpaper. Um, and when I was listening to the commentaries, Hel- Helene was like, oh, Curdy picked that. He loved orange, which makes sense because there's so much orange in San Francisco. And I was just like, all right. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about the 70s and 80s, there was orange everywhere, which yeah. I hate. Orange and oh, yellows orange. are like extremely like mentally triggering for me. I don't know how to explain it. It's just like I find it viscerally upsetting. Oh. Um but yeah, that was like the vibe. Yeah. 
And this is where we meet Paul, who is Mike Ranger. So he's actually 28 at the time. And Kay Parker is 36. So she's really not old enough to be his mother. But he's supposed to be in college. Um, he ended up leaving the industry shortly after this film because he felt very used. Like they stuck him in a window to jack off. Um, and Helene was like, yeah, a lot of the producers had no class. They weren't like us. We took good care of him. So they're talking about, you know, the dad's leaving. And he's like, oh, he'll come back. And she's like, no, I don't think so. And he's like, and she's like, and you know, you can go live with him if you want. And he's like, oh, ma, I'd rather stay with you. And he talks about quitting school. She goes, you're not quitting school. We'll make out. Foreshadowing. I'll get a job. I'm not exactly over the hill, you know. And you, she's wearing that robe and you can see the, you see inner cleavage, right? Mm, like you see mm -hmm. a good amount of boob. Mm -hmm. And he goes, you're telling me I've got, I've got the hottest mom in town. And she says, thank you, sunny boy. I mean, I'm not exactly over the hill, you know. Mm, you're telling me I got the best looking mom in town. Why, thank you, sunny boy. Oh, I hate that. You hated it? <laughs> I hate that. I hate it so much. But you know what? I That's okay. We're establishing Welcome. a dynamic. That's right. And, and you know what? It doesn't not remind me of a lot of what I've seen on MILF Manor. Honestly. There we go. Those, those women have their tits we're coming full. We're coming full circle. Yeah, and they compliment each other all the time. They're talking. They talk about like how hot their moms, are, and they like always sit very close with their fucking arms touching. That squicks me out so much more than this movie does because those are real. It does what now? People. It squicks me out. What does that mean? It gives me the ick. Your your generation oh. would say. Your generation would say it gives me the ick. <laughs> all right, perfect. I'm following. Okay, so then we see her outside in this, and I love this outfit. It's like a black and white suit. She has this very big black brimmed hat with like a little a white sash on it. Um, those are not her clothes. She was very kind of earthy and like kind of dressed like a hippie, and so Helene made her wear different clothing. Um, but I, but she we mm -hmm. we love a woman in a suit though, oh, like truly. Looks, and she is truly. wearing that truly. Yes, yeah, she looks stunning. Um, so she gives her BFF Gina, Aunt Peg, Juliet Anderson, a call from a payphone. Um, and Parker said that Anderson was a bit of a steamroller, that she was like a little rough to get along with at first, but they became very good friends eventually. But I think you see that in this performance. There's something very forceful about this woman, something very like on at all times. And they have like very different acting styles, you know, like, uh, Gina, this character is so overblown and so just like out there. And then you have, for contrast, you have, you know, Kay Parker's Barbara, who's like very conservative, very reserved. Um, but anyway, Helene spoke very highly of Juliet. She said she was really impressed by how much she swam. She's a big swimmer, but she brings it up like several times in the commentary. But anyway, Aunt Peg or Gina is in a bed with a man and a woman. She picks up the phone Barbara's like, Chris walked out on me and, you know, they kind of like, they talk about it a bit and they establish that, that, you know, she also needs to get a job because her husband left and they agree to meet for lunch. Um, and then, uh, Gina says, wake up sleepyheads. Gina needs some breakfast. And she starts like, just kisses like the top of this woman's pussy and like starts to grab the guy's dick and then it cuts. So we don't get a full sex scene, but we know who this woman is. 
Right. Right. You know. Interesting directorial decision there to cut right when something is about to happen. Yeah. And, you know, um, it's a chance to see sex that is an incest, but we are denied it immediately. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's like a montage of Barbara, you know, looking for one ads and like going into a shop with a help wanted sign and then leaving. And then um, they meet at this place that kind of looks like a yacht club or it's, you know, it's on the water. Um, and Gina says, sit down. You look terrible. What you need is a drink. Tell me what the hell is wrong with Chris? How old is the little cunt? <laughs> like she just Which launches. I love, which I love. <laughs> I love that. Normalize calling each other's son's little cunts. No, I mean, asking, right? <laughs> no, she's asking about the secretary. Oh. How old is the secretary well, that are... I mean, yeah. Uh, but I like where your head's at, where we start calling teenage boys <laughs> little cunts, Wait, right? no, he's not a teenager. He's in college. We start ta- calling young men he's, little cunts. He's an, he's an adult. Like, that's what I would like. That's what I would like to normalize. Here. All right, we can, we'll try it out later in the world when we go out tonight. We should, we should try it, see how it plays. Let's also ask uh, Chrissy what she thinks about this, because I feel like she would love this. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, we established that the little cunt is 19 or 20. And then Gina, she just has so many lines. Like she said, I could have told you the minute they get it up, they let you down. They sure right. do. Sure, yeah. And she's like, you need a new man. And Barbara's like, I need to heal my ego. And she's like, there's no sense in going without. Your pussy will shrink. Mm-hmm. That's how that works. Well, I mean. <laughs> shrink is I the mean, wrong word. I shrink mean. is the wrong word. <laughs> But you know when you <laughs> Yeah, Claire, go ahead. Describe it. But you know what when are you, you have talking it, when about? You, have it, you know when you have it been stretched out. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. No sense in doing without. Your pussy'll shrink. One thing that's interesting to note is that if you read about this movie and like in a couple of the commentaries, they say like the subtext, like one of the themes is how women react to being trapped in the suburbs and kind of like the desperation and craziness that goes along with that. Um, And like when I first heard that, I was like, oh, yeah, we have kind of like two different expressions of that in these two women. But then when in Helene's commentary the interviewer was like, so about this desperation in the suburb, like this is about desperation in the suburbs. Right. And she goes, Oh, is it <laughs> like, I just <laughs> see, that's what I love is like, for me, it definitely read that way. Like right. it definitely read, like I have so much anxiety around like just suburban living and like yeah. the, the isolation and like the normalcy of it, like the, yeah. like just sort of the anti, uh, how do you put this? Like sort of like the anti, uh, it's like the antithesis of like engaging with like culture to me. Right. And There's I think an isolation to it, particularly like, 
back then, because now with the internet, it's easier to feel less isolated. No oh matter yeah, where you are. absolutely. Absolutely. But I think it, to me, the suburbs, like, and like the concept of the suburbs, like give me such a feeling of anxiety and just like, just feeling so isolated. So for me, it reads this way in this right. film. Yeah. But, but I love again, that, like, I love that, uh, we love a non-answer queen. Yeah. The queen of it's not that deep. <laughs> it's it not is- that deep. <laughs> no, she just wanted to write a porn about incest. Cause she thought, eh, what if we saw what they did when the door closed? And that's what we have. Um, but I think that, okay, wait, hold on. Wait, yeah. Before yeah, we get sorry. into it, I think that uh-huh. this is also like a thing that I really love about um, films generally is mm-hmm. that like you can really draw your own answer from like whatever yeah. fucking film that you're watching. And that's, I mean, that's what art is. Right. That's exactly yeah. what art is. And I think that filmmakers now sort of play into that where they're like, they're like coy with it. They're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> What yeah, whatever meaning you take away is the meaning that I meant is the meaning that I meant to impart. And it's like it's it's actually like probably that was not at all what you meant to in infer right. with this film. But I love I love the idea of someone being like, actually, like just no, that's not at yeah. all what it that's not at all that's what, not it what I meant. It's interesting you thought that, but that's not what I meant. It's just not that deep. Yeah. Uh so, but I, I think it works as a reading of this movie because we have these two women drinking red wine at lunch uh, yes. and they're talking about her divorce and talking about job hunting and Barbara's like, if you're over 25, they won't even look at you, which kind of applies to both things. Are you kidding? If you're over 25, they won't even look at you. I couldn't even get a job as a hooker. <laughs> Too bad. That would have been exciting. Gina's like, well, that there's that friend of yours and Chris's, the ex-husband, who got a divorce a few years ago. He always had eyes for you, Jeremy something. And his name is Jerry, Jerry Morgan. And then she says, I think I'll have the fish today. It will remind me of Evelyn. You remember when I lived with Evelyn? Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, I, do re- I do remember that. And I was like, I wish that weren't there. <laughs> I was like, right. I wish that had not been scripted into this film. But so you want to know where that where that line came from? Yes, of course. It was it was a joke that Curdy, the director, like he said, yeah, uh, it just reminded me. I wanted to put this kind of joke in there where a blind guy walks by a what was it? A guy, a blind guy walks by a fish market and says, "Hello, ladies." That's uh. That's the joke. Uh, that's a widely recycled joke that I think is very tired. Well, yeah. I mean, this was 1980, but even in 1980, it was probably pretty tired. Yeah. It's just boring. It's, it's, <laughs> I feel like this is where we're writing from like the male gaze and not the female yeah. gaze. It's like, shut yeah. up. We get it. Like, like he, he, she wrote the movie, but he made sure that joke got in there. Right. It's right. like, for what? It's not even like so many other things, she, uh, Gina says are so much funnier. But anyway. Um, but it also establishes that Gina, like, is bisexual. So uh, they, she tells the fish joke, uh, whatever. And then she goes, now, Barbara, tell me about that gorgeous son of yours. He must be big by now. Hard cut to his dick. Hard. Like, right when she says that, we see, and it is big, to be fair. Uh, Mike Rager well, did. Most of, most of them are, and that's how they, that's how they wound up here. Yeah. 
Um, and so what we're what we're suddenly thrown into is this study session with Paul and his girlfriend, um, who's played by Dorothy LeMay. And she's like kind of quizzing him. And the funny thing is like, they're like, oh, you got these questions right. Now you, you deserve a blowjob. But apparently he doesn't. Like someone approached Helene years later. is was like, by the way, he, he doesn't get those questions right. And she's just like, okay, whatever. Like I looked him up. Brief, what, who cares? <laughs> Like, she was basically right. like, go away, nerd. <laughs> like, yeah, which I appreciate. Which I yeah. appreciate. Dorothy LeMay, Kay Parker, it, the way she talks about her, she's like, oh, yeah, uh, she was very sweet, but I didn't really interact with her that much. And it does sound like a mom talking about her son's girlfriend. Mm. Like, it does have uh, that kind of vibe. But Curdy and Helene... Both love Dorothy so much. They basically wrote Taboo 2 for her. Um, mm-hmm. And then after that, she she left the industry. But it wasn't like, you know, something terrible happened. She just left and, like, became a mom. I did um, forget that we have 2, 3, and 4. Are we going to review all of them individually at some point? We might as well. I mean, I, mean, I, I think we're going to... Well. I think we're going to space them out. I can't, I can't... I can't do this again right now, you know? Yeah, you're in a pattern of uh, I would I would almost describe as um, self harm at this point, yeah. and yeah. we need to take a break from taboo. I think we gotta bit. we gotta move away from incest for a little yeah. bit. We could go back yeah. to it, but <laughs> yeah, but I need a break. Um, so we have this study scene. She's like, "Oh, cool, you get a blowjob now as you're doing. It. You're such a good student. A lot of slurping, no music, and uh, in walks Tawny Pearl." who plays like the girlfriend's friend. And Tawny Pearl is 21 in this scene, but she looks way younger. And that was kind of like her thing. It was like she got cast as all the young girls. And she she was so young looking that like no one believed that she was of age, but she was. She was 21. Um, anyway, so she walks in. She's like, oops, at it again. I knew this would happen. Are we studying history or sex education? And then she's like, oh, you never told me his dick was that big. All right, see you later. And then they pull her into a three-way. She's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll let mm-hmm. you look it a little if you promise to give it back. And there's some really long fading shots. Mm-hmm. And then they're naked, still no music. Um, and then the girlfriend is like, wait, Paul, fuck Diane first. She's never come. Apparently she's never had an orgasm. Um, so he's fucking her. The girlfriend does like some light, dirty talk and some like light ass play. And then Diane does have an orgasm. Um, and we love that for her and good for her. And, and so does Paul. But what we're establishing here is that Paul is a good lover. Paul makes women come. That's, he has a big dick and he knows how to use it. That's Paul. And you know, for as much as we talk about, the female orgasm and how like easily it's achieved. it's really not like it's specific to every individual yeah woman or person with a vagina and right. it's very individualistic for me specifically like it's very it it normally has to be very intimate yeah and like there's got to be like a level of like trust there right. not to get too deep with it but like it is like a big deal and I yeah. like that we're setting this up and and that's how you can tell that this this film was written by a woman yeah 
It's because a man in the fucking seventies or eighties would not have taken the time to establish at least it. Listen, maybe if it were Howie, because we love Howie. We do love but Howie like, Gordon. We do love Howie Gordon, but like you know, most most of the time, like it's just not written that way. And even like more contemporary, you know, in more contemporary sort of like pop culture expressions of like sexuality between like and like a hetero heteronormative like setting like it still like isn't commonplace to establish that like a woman is having an orgasm yeah and also like I think it is more common for a woman to come during sex when she's in control and less mm-hmm. common than a, a man just fucks you with a dick that's so big you want like it, it, dick size has actually little to do with whether or not right. a woman gets off it's more about attention it's more about mm-hmm. establishing the mood, whether it's like a safe mood or a date, you know, different women get off on different moods, but it's, there's a more psychological component. So the fact, yeah, we're establishing, Absolutely. Paul knows how to make women come. Absolutely. And we love that for Paul. We do love that for Paul. And then. He's a good boy. He's a good boy. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's a And that's good the last time I'm going to do that on this podcast. I can't, <laughs> I can't believe it happened. <laughs> She had right. and beer. And beer. <laughs> um, so after they both come, we cut to Barbara coming home and finding panties on the couch, which she quickly hides when Paul comes in the room. She stuffs them into the couch. And Paul's like, oh, I started dinner. Steak and salads. We love a high-protein king. We do. We do love a high-protein king. Yeah. And, he's, and she's like, oh, did you talk to your father? And he's like, oh, mom you know I'm going to stay with you. And she says, oh, darling, I'm so glad. And then he kisses her on the mouth. He has her hand on the back of her head and like her eyes get very wide and she looks shocked, but not upset. And then they both look briefly embarrassed and just pretend like it didn't happen. And he says, mom, I'm going to get a job. And she says, no, I got a job with Jerry Morgan, even though he doesn't need the extra help. And he says, that's great working girl. Let's eat. (laughs) how are how are you feeling after that after that scene (laughs) were you stressed i'm you know it just made me feel tired but you know what what will carry on we have to i have to remind myself every time that we're talking about a scene in this movie i'm like it was written by a woman it was written by a woman it was written by a woman but it it was directed by a man it was directed by a man, but he like, he wasn't an overbearing director, if that makes sense. Like a, a lot of right. people were like, yeah, he kind of just let me do what I wanted with the character. Like he cared a lot about the sex. Which is really interesting. That's something that we talked about with Howie recently, where mm-hmm. Howie was like, some directors are like, I'm the painter, you're the paint. Right. Whereas like other directors are more like, and the I think like outside of porn, like the best example I have of this is like any, anyone who like directs Leo DiCaprio, for example, uh-huh. example is like, they're the painter. The script is the paint. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I think that like, it's really cool to kind of watch that, like play out in pornography and these films that were like 
fully scripted, fully realized, like very cool, developed, again, again, like I can't shut up about mascara, but again, like I, I feel like mascara is a again. perfect example of this. Yes. Yeah. I mean, mascara, you know, we have nothing bad to say about mascara. We, we will never have anything and I will bring it up every fucking podcast episode if I have to, <laughs> if I feel like it. But it's like, again, that's another example of like, you have a script in place. The script is the paint. The actors are the painters. Yeah. You and know so that I mean? was, and we'll talk more about how Kay Parker felt about that later. But yeah, no, it was definitely kind of like, yeah, do what you do what you feel. He didn't over direct. Mm-hmm. So now we have Barbara at the office with Jerry, the guy who has a crush on her and hired her. And so Jerry, you may recognize him from champagne for breakfast. Mm-hmm. He was the guy who was working in an abandoned lot that was kind of near an oil rig. Was that the guy the- that like, he did the bad thing. We didn't like, yeah, he was, he was rapey. Oh, no. And yeah. And he, uh, named his penis Fred and drank oh. beer out of her asshole. Remember that? that well, that guy. was that was fun, but we don't like the, again, no. like, please don't no. name your dick. Like, he please was, don't name your dick. Please don't name your dick. Um, But this guy, whose name was Milton Ingley, his stage name was Michael Morrison, this is the, the first guy to sell the Pam Anderson and Tommy Lee sex tape. No shit. Yeah. If you saw the Hulu show, he's the Nick Offerman character. Stop. I am okay. So that's isn't that my I I like I what a fucking what a wild world. Every everything is so small and interconnected and my mind is blown. So that's him. And apparently during the during the interview, um the or during the commentary, the interviewer notes that um Milton was used as a stunt cock a lot. Like, you know, when, Mm -hmm. if men couldn't get it up or come, he would like jump in and do it. And what's interesting about that is like, Kate Parker was sometimes referred to as like the prude of porn. And when, when the guy says that she seems to be kind of unaware of the concept of stunt cock and like Mm -hmm. slightly embarrassed, but then Mm -hmm. like, she's also kind of naughty, like and a little self-deprecating because during the commentary later, when we see Paul's dick for the, or earlier when we see Paul's dick for the first time, she's like, oh, I haven't seen one of those in a while. And she's like kind of giggling about it. Like she's very giggly. It's very fun. And and there's an innocence to her. Right. But anyway, so uh, Uncle Milty, who's playing Jerry, is the boss. Barbara's typing away. Jerry's wearing some white pants with an open collared shirt with his chest hair peeking out. He's flipping through some sort of paper. Um, And Gina calls her. And Gina is on the phone and also getting like kissed on and rubbed on by her two younger lovers who are they, who are, they're mostly silent. And she's like, Hey, it's me. Did Charlie call you? And she's like, yeah. And she keeps saying that this guy, Charlie, who she wants Barbara to go on a date with, he's a pussycat. He's afraid of girls. You couldn't be safer at a church. And she's like, fine, I'll go. Cause I, I, I trust you. And then while this call is happening, Jerry just starts groping her without her permission and she's like, starts saying no and like fighting him off. And then fucking Gina is like, what's going on over there? Is Jerry raping you? Does he have his cock out? What's he doing? Does he have his cock out? Oh my God. It oh is like, oh my God. Clearly getting turned on by it. And then, oh boy. <laughs> Sorry, do you All need right. a moment? Yes. 
No, I mean, I just, how far we've come. I guess. I mean, still, even though, like, you, you cannot depict rape in pornography anymore, they find ways around it because some women do fantasize about rape and a fantasy is different than a real thing. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's like, absolutely true. And like, yes, Gina, I, I, I would not, just because something is an erotic movie, and I think this is what they ran up against in crossovers over and over, is like when something is in an erotic movie, I think people tend to think, well, if they're showing something as erotic, that means they are condoning that behavior in real life or, pre- or presenting it as something that is good. And that is... And once again, we are acting. This is... Yes, this is a we movie. Are, we, are, we are creating... I mean, really, truly, when you boil down to a fantasy, like yeah. it's a fantasy. That's the whole point of pornography is right. to. It's not to, fucking real. It's to paint a fantasy. Yes. Yeah. But still don't love it. Don't love still, to see it. I still didn't like it. But she was still like, don't love to on. see it. Yeah. Don't love to see it. But OK, we're, like, we're can, in it. Can you imagine if I was on the phone with you and you thought a man was attacking me? You would, you would put on, you would put on, you would find me, you would kill him. It would be, I would do, here's the thing. Uh, for all intents and purposes, this is a joke. Uh, legally I am not, this is, this is a joke, but I would, I would do a crime. I would do, I would do a very violent crime if I thought that you were being harmed. Right. Literally anyone. Right. So. And the same me me to you. So like to to have her like best friend being turned on by like maybe she's getting raped is just fucking nuts and very wacky. Um Right. But Kate Parker like was laughing at that part. She was like, "Oh, she's so funny in this." Well, I mean, we it is love wacky. Kay. We love Kay. We um, love Kay. So she's Barbara quits. She storms out. She's like, you're going to fucking pay me. And then he just like begs her to stay. And he's like, I'm so sorry. I've always had a thing for, I've always been in love with you. You know, I always thought I, I wished my wife was you. Like when we'd all hang out, I'd look at my wife and wish she was you. And she's like, okay, just promise you won't do that again. And Kate Parker in the commentary is like, oh, well, she's very forgiving. And then he says, he says, okay, but you're going to get a cut and pay because you won't ball me. And then I guess it's a joke because Barbara's like, oh, you. And there's like jokey, cartoony kind of music. Like, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And I hated it. I hated it. Just if we're going to make a real film, like mm-hmm. we, if we're going to make a, a real, true crossover film, let's not do like the laugh track, like like friends theme in the background you know like the tone i will say the tone in this movie veers wildly from like soap opera to sitcom thank you that's the thing is like i was having trouble while we were watching taboo Mm -hmm. like distinguishing between like is this trying to be a true crossover film in the way that mascara is or Mm -hmm. am i watching like a full on, just like a full production porn, or am I watching like almost like a satire? Like I was like unclear and it kept it, 
it's a ride. It's a ride in a car that keeps taking very, a lot of different detours. And I was unclear where, I was unclear where we were going at any given point in time. And, um, well, I think that that's the thing about taboo. That's tough for me. It's like someone that likes to like watch these films with like almost like a critical eye, so to speak is like, it was difficult to kind of distinguish where, like what the effect that they were trying to give was. But at the end of the day, as you said, the writer is just like, it's not that fucking deep. It's not that serious. We cut again to Paul and his girlfriend. And he's like, park your little butt over here. I'm going to see if my mom's home. And she says, hey, Paul, look. And she's like, not wearing any panties. She's playing with herself. I don't think she owns panties. Why don't you park your little butt over there? I'll go see if my mom's home. Okay. Hey, Paul, look. At this point, what do we even know about her panties? Like, no, it's... They're never there. They're just, they're absent. Yeah, and he's like, hey, hold on a second. And he does like a little, he grabs his dick and he does like a little crotch jostle. I hate that. I know. I I, When I saw that on screen, I was like, Katie's going to hate this moment. She's going to hate the crotch jostle. And I I was right. I like it. Um, and then he goes to find his mom. And where yes. is she? She's in the shower. And this is a very Shh. famous scene. Yes. Do you remember it? The shower. She's washing her boobs. Yes. He's watching I her. Do. He's biting his lip. He's rubbing his crotch. Um, Again, hate that. But that's okay. We're we're setting a scene here. But if you if you were to just see this scene without the context of knowing that they're supposed to be mother and son, this is, to me... A very hot scene. Like, she looks incredible. You, okay, in the let me ask you something. Do yeah. you have a shower fetish? No, I just like looking at that's Kay a Parker's. thing. I just like looking at Kay Parker's body. And actually, like, a lot of shower scenes in porn, and my boyfriend and I talk about this a lot, they look uncomfortable. They look cold. Mm. And, like, the water's kind of splattering. But this looks like we have decent water pressure. Like, it looks... <laughs> You're like, listen, you know, here's the thing about here's the thing about shower sex is I need to make sure that there's decent water pl- pressure I for hate, me to. Well, I hate feeling like someone's spitting on me, you know, like I need it to be uh, I need I need strong water pressure. I do. I don't really like shower sex that much, though, because it's just like grow up yeah, fucking a bed. <laughs> like, and also like Go to I'm, bed. Go to bed. (laughs) Go to bed. I'm very, I'm short and like nothing ever lines up correctly when I'm standing. I'm just, my legs are too short for stand up sex. So it's just, it's not Mm -hmm. well suited to me, but I do like Mm -hmm. the scene. Then when she gets out of the shower, Paul runs into the hall and he's still looking at her. And so we have this scene of her getting dressed. And I think this is very erotic. I mean, she's, you know, she's putting lotion on herself. She's putting on stockings. She's putting on a garter belt. She said, see, like, this is like eroticism to me is like, we talk about this a lot, like eroticism in the mundane, Uh like eroticism in like, like day to day activities that are inherently really sexy. Yeah. And getting dressed. (laughs) There is like eroticism in just like the most mundane shit. Everyday things. Yeah. Yeah. Like particularly getting dressed, getting ready to go on a date. Cause that's what she's doing. She's preparing to go on her first like post-divorce like, date. Watching a woman do her makeup. Uh, like uh, 
Yeah. Melt me. Well, not me. Because when I do my makeup, like, you know when you put on mascara and you have to, like, do you make the O shape <laughs> with your mouth? <laughs> that's not pretty. I don't, I don't have to do that. I, I don't do. have to do that. I but I know, like, yeah, I know that's a thing. She's getting dressed. She's rubbing lotion. She's putting on garter. She puts on her dress. She hated that pink halter dress, by the way, which actually belonged to Why? the writer. Why? Uh, she said she hated it. She fucking hated it. Uh, but it well, belonged to the I hate. I hate a halter dress, too, so I can relate. They just hurt. If you have big boobs, a halter dress is fucking brutal. Like, I also just pulls. don't think, like, women, like, are so, like, they're, the way that they're structured, like, and everybody's different. Like, mm-hmm. the way that they're structured is, like, so beautiful. I, I just, I love women. That's all. But I like know. a halter dress is not especially flattering for like a lot of women. Like it's just yeah, like, it's it looks not, it doesn't, Parker. it doesn't do a lot for like the shoulders and like, yeah, it's like not very supportive. It's like, but I yes, I, I mean like, listen, K, K Parker wear a paper fucking bag, a potato true. sack for all I care. She maybe would have rather worn a potato sack because she fucking hated that dress. <laughs> she just kept saying it. In both commentaries, she was like, I, fu- I don't like that dress. Um, she also didn't really like shooting this sh- scene. She said she has a very hard time, had a very hard time like acting sexy by herself. And that mm-hmm. like being glamorous was very hard for her because again, her psychological boo-boo of being raised mm-hmm. with a lot of sexual same. But it was very cute while she was watching this. She was like, oh, but look how beautiful I am. And I feel like that's such, every woman has had that moment where they look back at footage or photos of their past self and they're like, why did I not know that I was gorgeous? Oh my God. Yes. One of the most traumatic things I think I've ever heard in my life was uh, one of my friend's mother's she told us we went and stayed with her for a while and Mm -hmm. she was very sick at the time. And Mm. she said, you know, we woke up, we had been out with her brother's band the entire night. Like we were hungover as fuck. We were in our Mm twenties and we were just like, Oh my God, we feel so gross. Like we felt terrible. We look like shit. And she was like, let me tell you something. You are the most beautiful you will ever be in your life right now. And it yeah. like stuck with me. It was very traumatic. Like I think yeah. about it all the time. I'm like, oh, cause, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know that totally I, I actually, I don't, I don't actually agree with that. The older that I've gotten, I don't actually agree with that. I think that yeah. that's a very boomer way of thinking about beauty and how yeah. women age. Yeah. But I do think that it says something about the way that we perceive ourselves like in our sort of like current reality versus like when we're older and we're kinder and we're like more perceptive to like, Oh my God, I had so much like youth, so much beauty, so much like I was like vivacious or like whatever it may be. Like, I think that that's kind of what you're driving at here. And also, you know, we're only three years apart in age and like we grew up, in the early, you know, the early 2000s where everyone was just so thin. Mm-hmm. Like, like I look back now at like, you know, popular media of that time and everyone was just so thin, not to thin, like it's fine to be thin. It's fine to be fat. It's fine to be any size. But like, I do remember thinking throughout my 
in teens and twenties, like, oh, I, I, I'm just, I'm disgusted. Like I'm huge. And like, I, I thought like against the standard, I had a lot of work to do. And I look back and I'm like, you fucking idiot. You fucking yeah, fool. Shut you up. Dumbass. <laughs> shut the fuck up. And now Grow I'm like, <laughs> like, now I actually like look at my body. I like my body now better. Yeah. My tits are bigger. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just so funny. And it was just so like, nice to see her have that same kind of moment of like oh look how beautiful i was because she she's fucking stunning in this yeah and she's 36 yeah she's not 20 she's 36 no. and she's fucking stunning stunning and she's uh, stunning and her creepy son is appreciating how how stunning she is and um, once again, I think this brings us full circle to Milk Manor, right? Like it sure does. I think I think that's you know, we have a lot of uh ostensibly straight men just being like, Yeah, my mom is so fucking hot. And yeah. good for them because they yeah. objectively they objectively are. They objectively yeah, sure. are. Their their moms are hot. Um I will say it is fun to watch MILF Manor with a man because you want to see horrified. Like I, I don't I don't have a, a mother son relationship with anybody. So it's fun to watch it with someone who does because they really, I'm your son. Yes. You are my son. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes. Kate, never talk to me or my son ever again. <laughs> Katie is my son. Um, That's right. But watch it, watch it with the, watch it with the straight man who, who, who has a mom. And uh, I find one of those. I mean, you could borrow you could borrow my boyfriend and watch. Milf. You could come over and watch Milf Manor with us. It's so fun. He hides. He hides. He hides his head in his hands. He looks so stressed out. It is fun for me. Wyatt is is dare I say very evolved, and he seems He'll to ex- that. he seems to experience a lot of like secondhand shame on behalf of the male race. Just generally, he sure does. Yeah, he definitely does. <laughs> Which is why he likes hanging out with women. And who yes. wouldn't prefer that? Um, That's right. All right. I think this is going to be a two-parter. And I think this is a good moment to pause. We've set the stage for the date. Kay Parker's looking hot as fuck. She's about to walk out the door. Her son is super horny for her, but he's about to fuck his girlfriend. Um, and we've got an orgy coming up. But let's, uh, let's save that for next time. Thank you to our patrons thank you to our producer eleanor please subscribe we are on patreon and on twitter at you like that pod no and no you like that Claire- underscore pod okay let me try again well i mean we could just keep this this is <laughs> but if you want to do the whole spiel and want take go ahead i don't really want to we'll just keep it yeah and our patreon is in our twitter And again, that's at you like that underscore pod. Thank you for listening. Please join us next time for the thrilling conclusion of Taboo.